0: Thank you for listening to the Spectrum Lounge. If you enjoy this podcast, please support us at patreon.com backslash underscore NYC. And be sure to subscribe to the Spectrum Lounge. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episode three of the Disney Plus original series, Hawkeye. Welcome back, Robert. Happy Friday.
1: (laughs) Happy Friday. It's good to be back, especially for this episode.
0: I know. I know. I got to tell you, I... Number one, I mean, in our, in our recap of episode one and two, we were both saying how surprised we were that we actually liked the Hawkeye series. Um, And episode three, just, it was just something different. Like I really, there were so many things that they were doing in -hmm. that episode that I, that I really, really loved. Um, I mean, I'll start with you. What, what did, what did you think of episode three, which is titled Echoes, by the way?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Like they it's like each episode so far they've like upped the ante. Mm-hmm. And what the I think the main thing I can't believe about this episode is how emotional it was. Yes. Like I, we're going to get to it, but like in the beginning, the beginning scenes were very emotional and then the scenes with Hawkeye and um Kate at the end that surprised me at, at how emotional those were.
0: Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So, I mean, episode three was basically, I guess you could kind of say that it was, while it was a continuation of the murder mystery that Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, um, you know, are on like sort of solving this crime, but it also becomes an origin story of sort
1: Mm -hmm.
0: of Maya Lopez. We were introduced to her uh, at the end of episode two when Kate, um, and Clint are captured and, uh, we basically see one of the tracksuit mafia go into a room, um, with, uh, this woman in there. And like you pointed out, the room is full of speakers, right? Yes. Um, and so he basically signs to her cause we learned that she's deaf that, Hey, we've, you know, we've got them, we've captured them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so episode three basically starts with a flashback of Maya Lopez. So we get to know who exactly who she is and what her connection to Hawkeye is. And I have to tell you, like those first, I guess, five to six minutes of this flashback of telling Maya's story were, it was so beautiful. Like I was just kind of blown away. That's exactly
1: the word I would use.
0: Yeah. You know, it it had a a tenderness to it, but there was also um, tragedy. As well. Um, and I just wanted to say, I mean, we mentioned this last week. Um, I really, again, shout out to Marvel uh, because the Maya Lopez character in Marvel Comics is deaf. And I really applaud um, Kevin Feige um, and also Sarah Finn, who's the casting director for all of the Marvel properties, for really making. It a mandate that they actually cast mm-hmm. a deaf actress in this role, Um and I have to tell you, this is from what I understand. This is Alakwa Cox, the the actress who plays Maya Lopez. Yes. This is her first major acting role, and I would not have guessed that. Like she's she's so wonderful in this role. What, what did what? I feel? agree.
1: She's really good, and we got to give props to Zon McLaren, that dude That's- who plays oh. her father. Absolutely. Like he's so good in everything. He was so good in Westworld. Like he's just mm-hmm. such an amazing actor.
0: Absolutely. So the the so the opening scene we see Maya as a little girl, um, where she's in school and we understand that she is deaf, um, and we also understand that she has a gift of sorts where she kind of picks up things really quickly. Um, so there's they're having class and the teacher is kind of telling Maya, hey we should wait until the interpreter for you to, you know, for the interpreter to get here so you he can do this exercise. But then the teacher looks down and sees that Maya has already completed
1: the mm-hmm. whole
0: assignment in her workbook. <laughs> so that's, that's already our first sign that she's, very smart, like she's a very yes. bright girl. Um, and then that moves into a scene later in the evening where her father, again, who's played by Sam McLaren, um, is putting her to bed. So it's sort of he's giving her a bedtime story, and then she asks him, Are dragons do dragons exist in real life? And then he's like, No, not really. And you know, it's sort of like this really cool conversation. And then she's like, You know, and then she asked him, She was like, I thought. I was going to go to school with other people like me, which I'm assuming means, you know, other deaf people. Mm -hmm. And then the father was like, you know, it, it wasn't possible. I'm guessing it was because of financial
1: restraints
0: uh, because sending, you know, children to school uh, with special needs does it requires money and and finances and resources, um, and so. But what I love what he said to her, he was just like, you know what, you're special. He was like, there is no school that's for people just like you because you're already <laughs> unique. I love that, and I love how how they don't pathologize her uh, disability. They don't. Make, right. They don't ever make it framed as in, oh, she's less than. You know what I no,
1: mean? No, no. He yeah. basically, yeah, you're right. He te- he tells her how special she is. You know, yeah. her gifts are.
0: Yeah. And then he says something to her uh, where he says, you have to learn to jump between two worlds Mm -hmm. and you have to like you're you have to watch and observe. Um, And I just think like to me, like that line speaks to not only her disability, but also her place in the world as a woman of color, right? Because we understand oh, wow.
1: that yeah. she's
0: she's a native she's native a Native American woman who is also disabled. So according to the world, that's the way they look at it. It would be three strikes against her, right? right. But for the father, he's telling her, no, these are your strongest assets. You know what I mean? But because mm-hmm. of these these identities that you have within you, you know what I'm saying? You're you you have to observe. You have to watch and kind of see you know, how to navigate that world, right? Yes. And, you know what I mean? So I just thought that that was something, uh, I just really love that scene. Um, but so let's talk about the next scene. <laughs> this, is, this is where the juiciness happens because there's some great Easter eggs in episode three, I must tell you. Like we've always known Marvel is at top of their game when it comes to Easter eggs. Um, sorry, DC. But <laughs> especially in this episode, I was like, okay, I see what y'all are doing. I
1: really wrapped um, it up.
0: Yeah, so I I'll, I'll let you uh, talk about the next scene where we see her at a martial arts. She's basically Yeah, it a looks like class. she's
1: at a judo class or a taek- taekwondo class uh where the she's watching two of the other stu- students fighting, but before that it's basically her father dropping her off there um and letting her telling her to observe and pay attention and her uncle in quotes
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know there to also drop her off and Mm -hmm. all we do all we see is his hand and his wrist but you could tell he's in a suit and it was a white man's hand and he's big and and Mm -hmm. she smiled at him broadly so she she, you can tell she has a close relationship with him yes and this goes back to what you brought up last episode
0: hmm <laughs> So I let me tell you something. When I saw that episode when I saw that, right? So, you know, the father's <laughs> like, hey, I'm dropping off. And the other thing that we realized that um in that scene, what the father was wearing, he yeah, was wearing he a, tra- the right track, a track tracksuit. Yeah. So now we understand that Maya's father was actually a member of the tracksuit mafia, right? Right. Um, and, and I think what was so brilliant about how they did that introduction, now if they had introduced him as tracksuit mafia first right and what it does to the to the viewers is that there's already a negative bias right Like oh you're or like you're a mobster or you're a criminal but by actually showing this really beautiful tender scene of him and his daughter at bedtime and then you show that it it recontextualizes it in a in a whole different way because what it does it, it humanizes him and humanizes his relationship with maya And then, like you said, yeah, so we see him drop her off. He was like, hey, you know, I got to go to work, but uncle will pick (laughs) you up. And then that's exactly like you said, you see this guy, we never see his face, but we just see his torso in a suit and we can kind of tell he's sort of a stocky, heavy person. And we see a hand and he touches Maya's cheek. So we understand that they have a very tender relationship with each other, right? Right. Um, And so while he may not be her biological uncle, clearly- but clearly, there's some sort of emotional connection between the two of them, um, and I was just like, "That's
1: Kingpin." Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just like, and I was thinking about the conversation we had last week, and I was like, "Yo, that is crazy." You
1: know what's funny? Like, yeah. As as, as soon as the episode was done, I went on Twitter mm-hmm. and I looked at Vincent D'Onofrio's Twitter. And like all you, you could such
0: a nerd You're such all a nerd. you could
1: see on his feed is people like trying to get him to say something about mm-hmm. Hawkeye, and they're like, mm-hmm. "You're under NDA for Hawkeye, aren't you?" Just like all <laughs> these tweets. And he's like just kind of blowing everything off, but I really Absolutely. hope like if we do get to see him, please let it mm-hmm. be him because he's yes. perfect for that. He was so perfect as as Kingpin.
0: Absolutely. For, for listeners who may not be familiar, Vincent D'Onofrio, one of the best actors in the game, portrayed so Kingpin. He was like sort of this this mob, uh, mob boss. Um, and he was portrayed uh, by Vincent D'Onofrio in the Daredevil Netflix series, which is part of the Marvel Universe, right? But mm-hmm. on the yep. Netflix side. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I did the same thing you did, Robert. I was looking at his <laughs> timeline and I was like, are there any gaps where he wasn't tweeting where maybe he was busy at work like we don't know and but but i love the fact that the fans are like so enthusiastic and more importantly i mean honestly could they cast another actor to play no pin in this universe he was so
1: good at that like yeah the netflix series has some issues but that Mm -hmm. first season of daredevil is like so good
0: let me tell you something. This is what I knew that this Kingpin was not for play because we <laughs> actually did see a a, a on screen version of him in the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. Um, That's right. And in this movie, Daredevil, um, Kingpin was black. Uh, was it Michael Clark Duncan? Michael.
1: Yep. Duncan? Yep. Michael he Clark was. Duncan,
0: who and he was good. Uh, there's. I'm. I'm not gonna knock that. But of course, there wasn't enough character development for Kingpin right. in that movie. But in the, in the Daredevil series, particularly Ooh. the first season, I agree with you. It was as much Matt Murdock's story as it was his. Like, we Absolutely. got a whole thing. And let me tell you, this one, I knew that Kingpin was not for play. Remember that episode? I, I know he, what you're going to say. When he killed the dude, he put his with head... in the, do- car on the door.
1: door?
0: Oh, my <laughs> God. Robert, I had never seen anything like that. Like, he popped his head like a watermelon he was like oh you want to play games oh let, let put your head and behind. then
1: casually like brushed it off and got back oh, in the car
0: oh yeah Vincent D'Onofrio is he's that dude I they have to bring him back I would say that if they are gonna bring and there's so many I mean well as we talk more about the about the review of episode three there's quite a few easter eggs that to me i was like there's no reason why they would put this many easter eggs about (laughs) kingpin and for him not to make an appearance in got to got to let me tell you something the internet's gonna break that day if that happens that's gonna be you know it you know it yeah i mean it was kind of like how we had suspected uh, you know, when they had announced the uh, casting of, 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 yeah, that and Carl Lumbly, when they cast Carl Oh, Lumbly that's right. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, is he going to be Isaiah? You know, whatever. And it was just like, and it ended up happening that he was, right? So, yep. yeah. But I mean, since, you know, Danafia has already played that role, I would love to see him come back. This so, would be
1: huge because there's all, mm-hmm. there's a big group of people out there that are like, well, the Netflix stuff doesn't count for the marvel universe so if that Excuse happens me? Oh, you know <laughs> twitter is gonna blow up
0: yeah I'm, i'd have to i have to remember the the specifics but i do know that it, there was a deal between marvel studios and netflix right okay so mm-hmm. netflix got to make those the daredevil jessica jones iron fist and punisher right okay right and then i think once disney you know once it became like this whole whole thing where disney marvel came under disney and now they they're pretty much bringing all the properties under one umbrella they've already brought the marvel properties from 20th century fox like daredevil and fantastic four and uh the x-men like you know what i mean so yeah I, so for me i was just like it wouldn't be that crazy for us to see actors from the marvel netflix show show up in the mcu why not
1: no I, I I yeah, I expect it to happen now, like before mm-hmm. I was like kind of fifty fifty, but yeah. I feel like it's gonna happen now, like I wouldn't okay. even be surprised if we saw Daredevil.
0: listen, I will fall the hell out <laughs> if that happens, okay <laughs> i I would just be like well I mean i I love Charlie Cox and I love yeah, me Bernardo too and, and Daredevil, and I mean, like you said, bringing just ease Going back to Daredevil, like yes, there were some problematic aspects of Daredevil. Well, mostly the way that they portrayed Asian people just really got on my nerves. It was just like, what are y'all doing? Not all Asian people are ninjas, people. Like, you know what I mean? So there was some problem. But that being said, um, Matt Murdock's, uh, uh, Charlie Cox's performance as Matt Matt Murdock and Daredevil. I don't think anyone will be like, oh, he was awful. No, he was great.
1: No, he was really good. good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting. So yeah. So. Back to the Judo meet. So we see this mysterious man say goodbye to Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is Maya's turn to go on the mat with this, you know, young black kid, the one who had just defeated the the other student. And we understand, and then we had a, a few minutes before that, we saw that Maya was observing how this young black kid had defeated his yeah, opponent. like his
1: foot placement and everything. Yes.
0: So then she goes up there and then we, so we see two things. Uh, earlier, we find out that Maya is deaf. And then when she stands up, we also understand she has a prosthetic leg. Exactly. Um, And then she goes up against this kid and she basically does the same thing. What she observed that he did, he just (laughs) swept and did the same exact thing, which is a callback to what the father had said, right? Where he was like, you have to observe, right? To walk in these two worlds um, and everything. So um, you can set up the next scene. So we see that her as a kid and then we fast forward to her being an adult.
1: Right, she's an and, adult, and she's in mm-hmm. at like the hideout for the tracksuit um, yes. mafia people, and yes. she's sparring with. Mm-hmm. That wasn't her brother. She, she was sparring with, was it? That was. No, was, that, it was wasn't that a was different just- person?
0: It was just a different person, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if she they never said if she had a brother. It seems like Maya was the only child, at least that's how it was. Well, thinking.
1: whoever the guy that keeps signing for her is, I don't know if yes. that's her brother I, I don't know if that's her mm-hmm. brother or just a member of the gang, but mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. it wasn't him. It was another person from the gang that she was sparring with. Yes. But uh and did you
0: did you see the real quick, did you see the name of the 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 auto repair shop when she walked into that? It was called Fat Man Repairs. Oh
1: come on another easter egg another easter egg there you go
0: there you go (laughs) so go ahead
1: (laughs) but yeah uh we see her uh sparring with one of the gang members and i mean Mm -hmm. basically she makes light work out of them uh in the in the boxing (laughs) ring yeah yeah she's like super fast and Uh and um, you could tell i like i like the way they do the thing where they cut in close on her eyes Mm mm-hmm where you can tell when she's observing people. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: yeah, she, she, and she makes like light, light work of the guy takes them out.
0: She's an excellent fighter. I was like, Oof.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, and again, yeah. seeing that representation of someone with who's, uh, you know, who has a prosthetic leg, someone who's physically disabled that right. way to be, to, you know, so what, 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 what I'm seeing with echo just really quick with her character there can be no more excuses for casting directors in hollywood to say oh we could not cast a disabled None. actor actress in that role i None. don't want to hear it where marvel is basically giving you the template <laughs> of how it can be done is what i'm gonna exactly say. yes continue <laughs>
1: um and then i'm trying to i'm trying to remember what happened right directly after that oh that's did they when cut, did they cut to? Yes. Hawkeye and Kate mm-hmm. tied up on the, oh, the no,
0: no, horses? No. Oh, no. So we see, the, we see a grown-up fire oh. in the boxing ring, right? Like you said, she mm-hmm. makes light work of her sparring partner. And then we see her. She gets on a motorcycle, and she parks in front of It's at night. Oh, that's um, right.
1: That's the rest of that story. Yes.
0: And that's important. Um, so she parks her motorcycle, and then she observes when she goes to the garage. That's when she sees that other members of the tracksuit mafia are murdered. Um, and she kind of runs in and then that's when she sees Ronan, at least that's when we see, we see that Ronan, when she looks through the window, we see Ronan doing his backflips, you know, stabbing people with his sword. And we know that Ronan is Clint Hawkeye when he went, you know, after Endgame, he went dark, so to speak, and was just, you know, busy murdering all these mob bosses. Um, and so unfortunately she goes by the bodies of these tracksuit mafia, and just then, that's when she sees Ronan stabbing her father through the heart with this sword, and then he just jumps out the window and disappears, and she holds her father, and you know, he was just like, it's too late for me. It's just, oh, this one I knew, Cox is a star, because she had me crying, and she was like, no, I'm not gonna leave you, and he was like, you know, he said fly away, little dragon, because remember, that's what he called her, and everything, and Of interest, did you notice, and I noticed something else, when he touched her face, right? When the Mm -hmm. father touched her face, he left a bloody hand. I did
1: notice that.
0: Right? And if you look in the comic books, Echo has a white handprint on her face. So I thought that that was really interesting. That's right.
1: That is right.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if in the Echo series, she will actually mimic that white handprint on her face, maybe in- you know in memory of her father or whatever I'm not I'm not sure
1: yeah I'm I'm um, really excited to see that series now
0: yeah so this now ties into present day as to why Hawkeye why Clint and Kate were both captured because basically Maya is looking for revenge because you know she was like Ronan is the one who killed my father and I'm sure she was friends with the other members of the tracksuit mafia um and so you know in episode one you know, Kate had put on the costume of Ronan, you know, whatever. And so now there's this idea that Ronan is back. Um, right. and so Clint basically tries to talk her down. He was like, no, there's, there's, there's no Ronan. And then he <laughs> says to her that Ronan is dead. And uh, like you said, uh, she has the guy who's kind of signing for her, one of the tracksuit mafia who's signing for Maya. And he says, um, she asked him, Maya asked him, well, who's the one? Well, if you're saying Ronan is dead, who murdered him? And then Clint says Black Widow. And then mm-hmm. she was like, well, how do you know that? He was like, because I was there. Which is interesting because we're getting two different stories because the story he's telling her, and if you watched Endgame, we you know these. he's totally lying. <laughs> okay. but, but is he?
1: Yeah. He's technically um, telling the truth because Black Widow him stopped him. him. Oh, I see. At, mm-hmm. He was Ronan. She stopped yeah. him. You know, she's the one that basically brought him back from the edge when he was Ronan. Yes. So technically, yes. it's true. <laughs>
0: I, see what, I see what you're saying, like, like inside, like soulfully, like spiritually, right. yes, Ronin is dead within me. Okay, right. Yes. Okay, so I can see what you're saying. He's playing a little. He's playing a little fast and furious with the truth, but he
1: absolutely is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so and then something else she says to him, which is really cool, when she first sees Clint, she sees the hearing aid
1: um, and he, and he
0: makes the distinction. He was like, I'm not deaf. Cause she starts signing with him. She he was like, I'm not deaf. I'm hard of hearing two different yeah. things. Right. Um, yeah. And then she says something interesting to him where she was just like, she basically says to him that hearing aid, you like, you depend too much on technology that you would actually find that your life is better without that hearing aid. And I was like, Oh, oh okay. Another pro disability. You know what I mean? I was just yeah. like, okay. I see what y'all are doing. Okay. 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 I like this. Um, And so, yeah, like I got it. Yeah. And so that becomes this whole thing where, you know, Clint ends up freeing himself. And then there's this whole action scene in this warehouse where Clint gets, you know, his bow and arrows back and he's causing havoc. He's fighting with Echo. He frees Kate. And then, you know, both he and Kate fight their way out. And it turns into this, crazy car chase
1: (laughs) well but but we got to go back for a minute because in the midst of the fight she knocks Mm -hmm. the earpiece out of clint's ear and and then steps on it
0: and steps on it purposely yeah she does
1: it on purpose
0: that is such a powerful scene and again like i really love that how this episode i really love how the writers because i'll be interested to see like i i would assume that they probably had some sort of consultant like a, uh-huh. a deaf consultant or somebody who's hard of hearing because it's it's really they're really fighting against these ableist tropes of what a deaf they really are be, you know what i mean and the fact that she could be like hey you're actually better off without that hearing aid like to kind of free yourself i was like oh okay this is <laughs> this is interesting it actually kind of reminded me really quickly there was this beautiful movie that came out last year called The Sound of Metal and it starred Riz Ahmed and just to be clear Riz Ahmed is not hard of hearing he's a able-bodied actor there was a controversy about that but that mm. being said um he plays a musician he plays a rock a rock band musician who loses who is who loses his hearing because he was he right. was a drummer so he loses his hearing and the movie is him going to a deaf school learning sign learning to you know kind of readjust his life um, as a deaf person, but what happened was that he was so focused on getting like this cochlear surgery, right? Mm-hmm. So the the so the 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 uh, the person who ran the deaf school was like, "Listen, if you plan, if you're that invested in that, I guess I'll say obsessed with getting this cochlear implant surgery to restore your hearing, you don't belong here," and oh, I kicked wow. him out. And I was like, "Yep, you're right. You know what I mean?" Because he was like, "These are for people." who are comfortable with their deafness and want to be there. And he was like, and you doing all of this, it's disrupting the flow because wow. I'm trying to, because I'm trying to teach the new people coming in to be comfortable with their deafness. And you're, and clearly you're not interested in that. So goodbye. Right. <laughs> and so he gets the cochlear implant surgery. His hearing is restored. Okay. Sorry mm-hmm. to spoil this for you people, but it, it's to make the point. He goes back to Paris because he had broken up with his girlfriend. She was the lead singer of the group. They had broken up or whatever and then you know they realize they they don't belong together okay the ending of the movie robert he's sitting on a on a bench in paris right it's beautiful the sun is shining He's just, I guess he's just kind of cont- contemplating his life as in like what comes next. Mm-hmm. And then you hear like this bell, it's sort of like this cathedral bell and it's ringing really, really loud. And so you're, you're hearing him like taking in people talking, all the sounds around him. And then he does something. He turns off the cochlear implant.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And then all of a sudden the movie turns silent and now it's just observe him observing the beauty the grass, the trees, the this, the that. And now he realizes this is what his deaf instructor had been trying to tell him all along. That, Because for him throughout the movie, he thought that getting his hearing back would f- solve everything. He'll get his right. girlfriend back, he'll be happier, he'll be this, he'll be that. And then now sitting on that park bench, he realizes that his deafness does not, him, restore, him getting his restored hearing didn't fix everything. And actually now he's quite comfortable. In the silence, because I think that's what I got out of that movie is not only the, comf- the him being comfortable with his disability, but also being comfortable with himself, right? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, we have a lot of distractions, social media, this, that, and asking someone to turn something off and actually be in silence for say thirty minutes to an hour,
1: it's hard for a lot of people.
0: It's hard for a lot of people. So I, I kind of feel like that's what Maya was trying to tell Clint. With that mm-hmm. hearing aid, like like you're looking at it as a weakness and it is actually your strongest asset, a- right? Because then we see that after she after she, <laughs> after she smashes his hearing aid, he's still kicking ass. Yeah. He's yeah. still old Hawkeye, making shots, freeing Kate. Nothing changed, right? The only difference was that he and Kate, like when Kate spoke to him, he was like, I can't hear you. So <laughs> this is what you have to do. But, but it, it didn't really I,
1: matter because him and Kate think the same anyway. So they were kind exactly. of on the same wavelength.
0: Yeah, so I really love this message that was in this episode. That disability, we do not have to look at even the word disability. Whatever, however word you want to use, but it doesn't change who you are as a person. Like who like the core person that you are, it doesn't change that. You know. Yeah, I love
1: the are. I love the message too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that turns into like this action chase. They they get into a car, they have a car, they're driving all over. I think that was Brooklyn or Queens. I'm not sure. And stuff. And so they, you know, they get on this bridge and then, oh man, this was such a another great Easter egg. Can we just I'll, I'll talk about know. how
1: amazing that car chase was? And I don't know what the first, like that first camera shot they had that was just kind of like going around in the car. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was like a single camera shot, but it was something that you don't normally see, and it was, uh, it was quite amazing. I loved that uh, shot, just like the camera tight inside the car while yes. uh, Kate and Clint mm-hmm. are, you know, mm-hmm. trying to drive away, and then her, you know, trying mm-hmm. to rummage through and pull these different arrows out while he's trying to hide certain ones from her. Right. My- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and they was just and, and I love that she was able to get because two things happened number one, we got to really see what was in Clint's arsenal of weapons of, 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 and then also too it really it really highlighted Kate and it really showed how great of an archer she is exactly you know what I mean like she's yeah. she's definitely not like she's on Clint' level, and if not, we'll probably surpass him, you know what I mean because I think uh-huh. in the comics I think in the comics they've established that she's better than Clint, right that she's better yeah, I'm pretty than
1: sure Clint. they have. And yeah. she and you know, at her age, way younger than him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was just yeah, and so this part I I didn't catch it the first time, and it wasn't until somebody after I watched the episode I saw someone tweeting about it. Oh, so I this, caught
1: it because I know yes. what we're gonna talk about.
0: Okay, so this is the scene on the bridge. <laughs> they're cornered, the, the track seat mafia was on one side of the bridge, they're on one side of the bridge, and they need to escape. I'll let you I'll let you go with that one because I was just like, Oh, this is a cool Easter egg.
1: Yeah, and uh, like previous to them being stuck on the bridge, Kate was able to get her bow out of the car that was chasing them. Mm-hmm. So now they both have their bows, and they're right. on the bridge. The truck is coming at them at full speed, and mm-hmm. Hawkeye is like, shoot high. Mm-hmm. So Kate shoots shoots her arrow high, and then we see Hawkeye knock an arrow They zoom in on the arrow and you see it says Pim on the tip. Yes. (laughs) And he he shoots his arrow up at hers. And when hers starts arcing back down towards the truck, his hits Mm -hmm. it and turns it into a giant arrow because of the Pim particles in the arrow tip. Yeah, that was. (laughs) <laughs> See the, and this is like we we talked about in episode one What I said uh, I love about the Marvel Universe. Like we mm-hmm. have this shorthand. Everybody knows what the Pym particles do. Mm-hmm. So like if you catch that, that it says PIM on there, then you have an idea that he's about to make this arrow into a giant arrow. And it comes yeah. crashing down, basically, on the truck to stop it.
0: I loved it. I was just like, and it's what you said about the, the MCU shorthand. Absolutely. And this this is what happens when you put 10 years <laughs> into yep. phases one through three. Yes, there is a shorthand. <laughs> that you don't have to go into you know there is there doesn't have to go it doesn't have to go into exposition like oh the arrow turned big because i got exactly. it exactly we know we saw pym we know exactly what it's gonna <laughs> do. um which was cool so they they end up escaping they jump on a train that's you know going over the bridge and then um they're having lunch i guess at this um thing they they find number one they go to get clint's uh hearing aid repaired. Um, And while they're waiting for it to be fixed, they have lunch. And then Kate returns to this whole idea of how the reason why he's not a more popular Avenger is because of branding. (laughs) 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 And so she draws a picture. And interestingly enough, the picture, because she was like, you should change your costume. The costume looks very much like the Hawkeye costume that we've seen in the comic classic
1: Haw- the classic purple hawkeye costume.
0: The classic one with the H on the thing and Clint just takes one look at it and he was like, Listen, no. <laughs> okay. He was like, number one, I I like working in the shadows. I don't I don't like being in the spotlight or whatever. Which is really what if you if you think about Hawkeye's place in the MCU, it's like, yeah, he's he's the one you can depend on. You know right. what I mean? Like he, he's not showy and flashy like Captain America and Iron Man or whatever, but he's there. For the fact, right. you know what I mean. Um, and really quickly, before I forget, this—the other thing that I really like about this episode, and I'm very interested to see how this carries out the rest of the season—is that I'm glad that the writers and the MCU are actually tackling Ronan's very dark and messy legacy right now
1: I was gonna bring that up yes
0: yes right I'll I'll I'll, I'll throw it to you but just really quickly I know that we had a lot of us had had this conversation when Endgame came out that the observation was that the people that Ronan was killing in his revenge killing spree were mostly people of color right like we Mm -hmm. heard that he had that he had dismantled I think Rhodey was telling uh you know black widow and one of his intel you know uh meetings that hey you know we found this this hotel room in mexico city you know the federales came in and he was like you don't even want to know what we found and then he and then roadie said something even scarier he was like after seeing what was in the room i don't even think i want to find him yeah you know what i mean but natasha decides to go after him because you know that's her friend that's her buddy or whatever and then when we find ronan here he is with the Haku, you know, with uh, uh, what what is the name of the Japanese mob? The, the Yakuza? Yakuza? Yeah. So then here you are killing another person of color. You know what I mean? So, and of course the white fanboys were like, y'all be making, two, y'all making everything about race. And I'm like, mm, no, I think they're onto something. And yeah. I think it's quite fascinating that they want to tackle this in Hawkeye. I love it.
1: Yeah. And, and it kind of reminds me of what they tackled with um, Winter Soldier. And Falcon yes. and the Winter Soldier, you know, the mm-hmm. killings and stuff that he did. So it's yes. kind of interesting that in these TV series, they keep going back and revisiting the bad stuff that their heroes mm-hmm. do.
0: Uh, you're absolutely right, because that that's definitely a recurrent theme in a lot of these uh, Marvel Disney series from WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki. And now this mm-hmm. is this revisiting of the legacies that these characters have wrought, right, or like the, the right. legacies that they've laid down, and this questioning. Because uh, I have a feeling we're also going to see this in Armor Wars, right? That's the Doctor Cheeto series. We're going to have to people going to be real uncomfortable because now you. I gonna think we're going to get
1: a lot of military-industrial complex uh, mm-hmm. stuff in that one.
0: Yes, so it's going to be critiquing Tony Stark's legacy and. By extension, his father. The Stark legacy is very messy and complicated. <laughs> like, they did a lot of good. But there's a lot of fucked up shit that they did, too. Like, let's yeah, remind people sure. that Ultra, that Ultron mm-hmm. was created by Tony,
1: which, <laughs> yeah.
0: by the way, was, re- was re- visited in Episode 7 and 8 of What If? They that's, really right. There, that's right that's right
1: so even the cartoon went into it <laughs> yeah
0: so i actually like this idea that marvel while they've established these lions like the og avengers i love that they're circling back in phase four and kind of questioning like hmm but what does this really mean right, right. yeah so i really i really i really like that so i'm i'm excited to see if they are going to keep Pressure, keep applying pressure. Me, yeah, me
1: too. I mean, I don't see why not. And I'm, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what they choose to pick in mm-hmm. Secret Invasion. Yeah. Nick Fury, and now Ooh. that we see they signed Kobe Salt, some, you uh, Summers uh, on. So
0: yeah, yeah, she's, well, she's
1: back as Maria Hill.
0: Because I mean, you bring up an excellent point because Nick Fury is not immune to that. No right, like if you're if you're gonna be if you're gonna have to refocus on Tony, Captain America, and all these other legacies, you might have to take a a closer look at Nick Fury too. I love Nick Fury. Don't get me wrong; I think he's a cool ass character, but he does work for Shield, and that is a part of the American government. Think of Winter
1: Soldier, and when Cap questioned him
0: when he was doing the whole thing with the
1: helicarriers you know Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. so nick hasn't always been on the right side of history either so (laughs) it'll be interesting to see if if they revisit that in secret invasion so yeah so the episode basically um they decide to break into well i can't say break into it's her house uh kate and clint decide that they need more information on the tracksuit mafia so can we hold
1: on for a second
0: yeah, yeah,
1: sure. Because, like, right before we do that, they have that scene in Kate's aunt's apartment. Oh, where yes. With the phone call. Yeah, well, Hawkeye's mm-hmm. son's called, and in his, mm-hmm. his his um his earpiece is still broke at this point, so he can't hear yeah. his son. And Kate just happens to come in while mm-hmm. he's trying to talk to his son on the phone and kind of, like, interprets it. By writing on a, a pad and showing it to him, but yes. yeah we kind of get to see how Clint feels horrible again for you know his kids want him to be home for Christmas and he's gonna miss another one of the big Christmas events mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting to see both Clint you know feeling like he's letting his kids down but also see Kate you know being watching Clint go through this and realizing you know, Kind of like having a, an appreciation for him that she didn't have before.
0: Absolutely, and and really, and she's getting a bird's eye view of the sacrifice,
1: right? And what, that,
0: what that really means to be a superhero, what that really means to be an avenger. Because of course, she's just seeing the glitz and the glamour and the this and the hero and whatever, and not realizing like the personal emotional costs. Right. Um, of of doing these things. And yeah, like he could potentially miss Christmas with his and you know, there's been some conversations. I've seen some recaps of episode three of Hawkeye, and I wanted to talk to you about this because this is why you need people of color like ourselves who are Marvel uh-uh. fans to add a to add a certain perspective. What I was seeing in these reviews and recaps of episode three of Hawkeye, written by white men, let me be very specific about that. Mm-hmm. The tone of these recaps and reviews were like Oh, poor Hawkeye. Look at what he has to go through. He's going to miss Christmas. He's, you know, and, you know, the, the whole thing of him, you know, losing Natasha and Black Widow and look. And what's interesting to me is that there's so much sympathy for Hawkeye and Clint in <laughs> these recaps and hardly any mention of what happens to Maya. Right. Like, they're not like they're not making the connection, which the show clearly is making the connection that. Two things can be true at the same time. You can absolutely have empathy for Clint and Hawkeye because we we know what happened in Vormi. We saw him lose his best friend. But we can also hold him accountable for the shit that he did as Ronan. And it just Mm -hmm. seems like to me like some of these white male reviewers and fans of the MCU just lack the range, (laughs) okay, To, to have all this empathy for this white man, but like they saw Maya's backstory and they had nothing to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, how can you mm-hmm. watch that backstory that we saw at the beginning of this episode? I mean, the episode pretty much focused on Maya. Right. You know, except for the the, the last third of it, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how could you see all that and then not, you know, feel her pain, but you can feel Hawkeye's pain just because he won't be home for Christmas? Right. After what he did to her family, I mean, he took her father away.
0: Right. Right. And, and, and the thing is, what's interesting is like, someone can make the, I'm sure they can make the argument like, Oh, well, you know, Maya's father was a bad guy. And, you know, he was part of the suit mafia, but, but let's be really clear. Like if you study the, if you actually study people who go into crime, right? Like specifically people of color mm-hmm. who go into crime, whether it's drug dealing or whatever, Please understand that this is about economic, economic scarcity, right? Exactly. You're talking about people who come from economically depressed communities, right? Um, and this idea of like, oh, well, you know, you just have to work hard if you work hard and go to school and have a college education that, you know, you can, and clearly this pandemic and this economic crisis has shown that it's all bullshit, all right? Yep. There's lots of people with college degrees and six and seven figure jobs were all of a sudden out of a job because of a Mm -hmm. virus, which just showed you how fragile the American economy is, right? So clearly they were telling us that, at least to me, it seemed that Maya's father being part of the tracksuit mafia was part of an economic necessity. He's a Native American. And we know that Native Americans are treated like shit in America. All you have to do is see you know, like, like, like their economic status, uh, either living on a plantation. I was just watching a a documentary from CNN a couple of years ago. I did not know this, that they said that I think in the year 2016, over 5,000 women of Native American descent just disappeared, just missing. Wow. 5,000, Robert. And there was not, except for this, I don't think it was CNN. I forget who did this. It was like, like, it wasn't covered by like the major outlets
1: yeah yeah I, you know I mean what that I mean? that doesn't surprise me at all,
0: right, so it seems to me that, and like in that flashback when he told Maya that he did not have enough money to send her to that desk it you can see that it physically pained him to tell her that
1: yeah you know I it, exactly yeah. I was gonna say that's exactly the point where I knew like he's doing this because he's trying to make money for his family,
0: right, you know what I mean, which is really like if you think about it it's a it's the it's the origin story of a lot of villains. Right. (laughs) Like like if we depending on which I'll give you an example, depending on which origin story you go with, because they they retcon it like every few years. The one of the origin stories of the Joker was originally remember he was Red Hood, right? He was he was Mm -hmm. this up and coming comic uh, comic, failing comic, stand up comic. And then I think something where his wife was sick or whatever. And then that's when he went into bank robbing. Right Because he was yeah. trying to provide for his family, and then this one particular day that he robbed a bank, that's when Batman was on the case, and then the whole thing happened and he dropped into the vat of acid. so I was like, please know <laughs> that if you if you go back and watch some of the origin stories of some of these villains who sometimes are white too that you know what I mean they come from like these um communities or cultures where they're they're not they're not part of that right? Like, they're economically cut off. There's lack of resources. So they turn to crime, right? Cause like, Isn't listen, that the whole
1: premise of Breaking Bad?
0: Hello? Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! But you see that, right, Robert? But they had all the sympathy for that man. All right. the energy. I mean, how many how many Emmy Awards did um, Brian Cranston win for that?
1: Uh, all of the Emmy Awards?
0: <laughs> okay. Me- meanwhile, this is just to show you the fuckery. Meanwhile, The Wire was on for how many seasons?
1: Listen, listen.
0: Did the Wire win? Not a goddamn one. If I if I remember correctly, I don't even think they hardly got any acting nominations. If yeah, not. I
1: don't think they they barely got any nominations while it was running.
0: Listen, Michael K. Williams was on that show for how many seasons?
1: <laughs> like stop three. Playing.
0: Yeah, stop. Yeah, stop playing. So it's like clearly we can see that shows that are about crime that are fronted by white people. Another example is Weed. Remember that that white woman uh, yep. in the suburbs that decided to sell, and it was cute, right? It was cute. Even the, it got,
1: even the shield, didn't the shield get a bunch of awards too?
0: Yes, it did. About a corrupt ass cop. <laughs> <laughs> so you see where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yeah, I
1: do. I definitely do. Yeah.
0: That 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 not only in the awards circuit, but also in the criticism circuit, there's clearly a lack of empathy for fictional yeah. characters that are people of color that engage in less than moral or crime. There's a lack of sympathy, but when white people do it, then all of a sudden the critics are like, oh, this is such a great performance. This is so wonderful. And it's like, like, mm.
1: clockwork. Like, like clockwork. Like clockwork.
0: So, and I think what Hawkeye is doing, and I could be wrong, you you tell me, it seems like episode three is trying to challenge that.
1: I agree. I think this is exactly what they're trying to do.
0: hmm You know, so by using by using Maya as this avatar of this disabled woman of color, um, whose father was, a, you know what I mean? And then it's just like, and then to see all of that, to see her father murdered and all of that, like, and you can't relate to that. <laughs> mm, mm, you mm. you can't relate to why she would want revenge, but yet you understand Clint wanting revenge. Right now. And let's be clear about something. Clint turning into Ronan, if you kind of think about it, didn't make no damn sense because let, let's talk about this. <laughs> your pa your family was snapped by Thanos. Right. That didn't have anything to do with those criminals or those under those, you know, the drug overlord. Like they didn't have anything to do with that. So that's you in a way kind of punching down. Am I right? Yeah.
1: He was just mad. Like he was just mad that his family's gone and and decided to take it out on what? Criminals that were of color? Yeah. Come on.
0: You know, now whereas you could have gone to the Avengers like, yo, because the Avengers clearly knew who was responsible for the snap. Am I right? And they even went on a mission. (laughs) <laughs> to find Thanos, cut off, like, let's be clear, Clint wasn't part of any of that. He just got into his head like, fuck that, my family's gone and I'm just gonna kill some brown and, you know, some brown and black people so I can Basically. feel better about myself. So, I hope that the writers will, like I said, apply pressure. And and like I said, you can very much still have empathy for Clint on a human level, but you can also ca- hold him accountable for the stuff that he did. Is Absolutely. what I'm gonna say. Um, so, just, Going to this last uh, scene, um, Kate and Clint uh, go back to Kate's apartment because uh, Kate wants to use her mother's computer because Eleanor Bishop is the head of Bishop Securities and they can basically track anything. And so they decide to do a search on the man who was signing, the the guy from the tracksuit mafia who was signing for Maya. His name is Kazi. Mm -hmm. So they were like, if we do a search on him, maybe we could figure out what's going on. And so... Kate puts in the name and all of a sudden it starts spitting out, spitting out all these names where it shows that he's actually an employee of, uh, let me see if I can remember the name. It was actually called do, 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 Sloan limited. So clearly we're seeing that there's a connection between Bishop security and Sloan limited, right? Cause mm-hmm. then Kate is just sitting there confused. Like, wait, why would my mother have this information? Like why? And then, I was like, uh, and then remember, Clint Clint says something where he was like, oh, Sloan Limited. That sounds familiar. So you know me, Ms. Google. I was like, hmm, Sloan Limited.
1: Yeah. Go, go, let them know. Let them know. (laughs) Okay.
0: So Sloan Limited, from what I understand, was first mentioned in, uh, was it Into the Spider-Verse? The animated movie. And Mm -hmm. Sloan Limited was owned by no other than Wilson Fisk. A.K.A. Kingpin, Robert. Listen, if they don't bring this man on the show, I'm burning stuff. (laughs) I'm just burning stuff.
1: Got to be him.
0: It's got to be him. And I'll also say this: I think. Remember how we had the theory of Eleanor Bishop being the big bad? I think she's working with Kingpin. That's what I'm going to say.
1: I think you're. I think you're right. I think you're. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been right so far. So yeah, I'm just we gonna we're gonna ride this out.
0: Yeah, because cause the two possible identities of Eleanor Bishop, uh, some people have saying that she could possibly be Madame Mask. Who's Madame Mask again? I think you know more than I do about who Madame
1: Mask is. Uh, I'm not as familiar with Madame Mask. I for, for some reason, I thought she was like a Hawkeye villain, but okay. I, I'm not as familiar with her. I, I, okay. I think I brought up the theory that I was hoping she was the Rose.
0: I think you're that that theory I think is right because it doesn't the rose he has ties to Kingpin correct
1: yeah and the comic books the the rose is the Kingpin's son mm-hmm. um but I feel like the thing that made me think she was the rose is that she keeps wearing these red dresses or yeah, she does. maroon yeah, she does. dresses I think so it's her. that's what put me on that
0: yeah so I think it's her wouldn't it be crazy wouldn't it be some crazy crap if she ended up being Kingpin's daughter
1: listen uh, oh Oh, you know what
0: though i'm just saying
1: i didn't even think about that instead of it being her his son it'd be his Mm -hmm. daughter oh Mm -hmm. Oh. i think you're right i hope you're right because you know i wanted to be the rose
0: (laughs) yeah i think i think it's so she's probably the head of like this shadow organization and Mm -hmm. i think it probably happened after the event uh in 2012 when her husband was murdered. I'm I'm using an air quotes because we don't know how he really
1: died, We don't right? know? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It was off-screen, so we don't know mm-hmm. what happened to him.
0: She probably threw his ass right out the window. like Badoop. Listen. Not, like, maybe what she took her so long?
1: What <laughs> took her so long to find her daughter?
0: I don't. That's a good Because remember, she was like, mommy, mommy, and you didn't hear anything. And I, a mother nope. would have been like, oh my God, Kate, where are you? Like She had to look for them. Right? That, that I hope just, you're right.
1: Yeah. I hope yeah. you're right because I, I really want her to be the rose
0: I, i'll get excited. so excited i'm excited yeah like i said you don't cast vera Farmiga just to play the mother no
1: no like she's
0: she's a, she's a big bad i think she's the big bad and now that we're seeing more of this connection to kingpin um i think yeah i think the rose i'm going to go with what you're saying that the wearing the wed the red the connection to kingpin yeah i think that's probably the way that they're gonna go
1: i'm, I'm excited, excited. Are am
0: excited. <laughs> so we'll, we'll wait for episode four. Um, thank you, Robert, for joining me again for a fun thank you. of Hawkeye. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.